Right, I'm here with Adrian Bailey, and the reason I have invited you here today, Adie, is because it is Harry Potter Day. And I happen to know you're a bit of a fan, aren't you? Just a bit of a fan, yes. When did you first start reading Harry Potter? Funnily enough, I didn't start reading Harry Potter. Um, I saw the movie first, the very did first you? movie. Yeah, I, I think I was quite lucky because when I started reading the books, I had the images from the movies in my head, which meant I, I tend to be quite disappointed when I've read a book and then see the movie because it's never like what I see in my head. So I, I started reading the books 2001 when I would have been in my 30s. Example, Oculus Reparo. That's better, isn't it? Holy cricket, you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are? Um, Ron Weasley. Pleasure. You two what is it that appeals to grown-ups about Harry Potter as much as it does to kids? I think J.K. Rowling has managed to tap into the inner child. And I, I think one of the most important things is is that she wrote the books for herself she didn't sit down and say how is this going to be a commercial success she wrote the kind of story that she would have liked to have read but i think it's she tapped into the things she liked in books when she was a child the other reason that it appeals to adults is is that technically i think she worked really really hard on working out the story that she wanted to tell and when you bring all those elements together, you get a story that's very, very satisfying at a visceral level, but it's sophisticated enough for an adult to really enjoy it. And do you get lost in the magic of it then? I have to say I do. Uh, I am one of those people that when I'm reading a book, I tend to visualise as I'm reading. And I think what a lot of people don't realise about the truly great books is that the author has already done the heavy lifting for your brain you're not having to work out what they're saying and you're not having to sort of think about anything they are literally picking you up and carrying you along because they've already joined all the dots for you and it's something that i think because she she scaffolds her stories quite carefully and she thinks very hard about what she wants to do that's part of her skill it's not just her imagination it's not just the way she writes the way she writes is your eye just flows down the page you're not having to concentrate and i think that's why it's perfect for kids and adults yeah because at the end of the day a, a child would not be approaching reading harry potter in the same way that you are which is i should say at this point obviously people will know you as a physiotherapist but you are also an author and so the way you're talking about it you can tell that you are a writer yourself because that's coming through in what you're saying yeah it's when basically i started writing because i read the last harry potter book in 2007 when she'd announced that she wasn't writing anymore. And I thought, all right, then, well, I'll write my own. And because I've always read, and you always have that little inkling in the back of your head, I wonder if I could do this. When I'd read the Harry Potter books, I had a starting point. I knew that's kind of what I wanted to do. So I actually went back and spent time looking at her history, looking at how she wrote the books, looking at how it all came together for her, why she did things, and when I'd worked out kind of how I thought it had all come together, then I just applied the same rules to myself. And your uh, protagonist does have a sort of, sort of borrow certain elements, I think, would you say? Is that fair of, of Harry I Potter? I think that's, I think any, anybody, any author uh, who has any semblance of honesty will hold their hands up and say they are inspired 
by all sorts of things. It'll be books, it'll be films, it'll be people, it'll be a lot. A lot of times when you when you're trying to come up with ideas, you are nicking stuff, whether it's classical Greek myth, whether it's Celtic mythology, whether it's Manx folklore. I mean, crikey, the the amount of stuff we've got to go from here is is incredible. And then what you try and do is you try and shape it and morph it into what you are and who you are to make it different. So, yeah, I'm, I hold my hand. Any comparison to Harry Potter, I'll take that all day long. Hiya, Harry. Ron, Fred, George. What are you all doing here? Rescuing you, of course. Now, come on, get your trunk. And with um, your series, so Otherworld, obviously, we're talking about, which is what you have created, uh, you have very much borrowed from Manx mythology, haven't you? So tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I, one of the one of the things that J.K. Rowling does with Harry Potter is she draws very heavily on the classical myths and legends. Now, on the Isle of Man, we, we have this wonderful blend of Celtic and Norse. So if you want to do what I've done, you can draw in the Celtic mythologies, Mananan. You can draw in the Norse mythologies. So you've got uh, sort of Thor, Loki. Um, but as well as that, you've got the, the 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 Manx, the pure Manx fairy tales and folklore. And for such a small place, the Isle of Man punches well above its weight in so many areas. And that's one of them. The storytelling is 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 phenomenal here. So if you want inspiration or ideas oh you you could spend years going through that going through the, the material that's available to you and you are doing because you are writing more at the moment aren't you yeah the we i did the first book 4 years ago and now i think it came out and unfortunately i did something that's called rushing to failure mainly because at the time it was a project purely to raise money for charity and to see whether i could write a book when the book had come out and I could sit back and look at it and think, do you know what, I could have done that better. Basically, that's what I'm doing now. So it's, you know, I've written two sequels to the original book, uh, but we're just in the process of taking that that first book, which it, which was a brick of a book, cutting it in half, adding in a few bits, taking out a few bits, moving a few bits to later. So when I kind of start the process again, it will be, it's a bit like when, a group releases an album and it doesn't do very well. And then four years later, they release it again. And it's basically the same album, but it's got a different producer and it's and it's so much better. And that's what gets them going. So that's basically what I'm doing at the moment. Curious. Very curious. Sorry, but what's curious? I remember everyone I've ever sold, Mr. Potter. It so happens that the phoenix, whose tail feather resides in your wand, gave another feather. It is curious that you should be destined for this wand when its brother gave you that scar. We'll have to get you to admit how much of a fan you are because you do you you go to Harry Potter world and you watch yeah, basically, all the movies. Yeah, if basically, if, and... if it's there to go, uh, I'll I'll go to it pretty much. So we've done. I've done. I've done the uh, Harry Potter experience at Leaves and Studios, which was phenomenal. And then I've also been to Florida and done Universal Studios, where um, I stood in the gateway to Diagon Alley, and people were coming past me and bursting into tears. 
that's oh. that's the effect and they weren't kids that you know these were adults and i always say to people you you know something's a phenomenon when you're standing in the queue for the hogwarts express and the guy behind you is this six foot six mountain with a huge bushy viking beard in his full-length Slytherin robes and an interactive wand in his hand. I love it, interactive wand. Why do you think it was so ridiculously popular? Is is it because you don't want to grow up? I, I knew you were going to ask these kind of questions, so I've had a sit and a think about it. And I think what it is with those kind of stories, it is escapism. And the reason it's escapism is because they don't have our problems you know, yes, Harry Potter obviously has his problems and because he goes to Hogwarts, he has his homework to do. But, you know, they don't have mortgages to pay. They don't have the bank knocking on the door. They don't, you know, they're not worried about Brexit or whether Donald Trump's going to destroy the world. They have their own problems, but they're not our problems. And it's that ability to sort of say, well, this is the mundane world here, but I can just transport myself into this other place where I can let my imagination run riot Mm -hmm. and I don't have to worry about the things that I have to worry about, you know, when I wake up in the morning. You've got to mean it, Harry. She killed him. She deserves it. You know the spell. Who's your favourite Harry Potter character? Luna Lovegood. Why? Um, I think it's just she's that quirky misfit outcast that I've always I've always liked. Um, and it's almost like it doesn't seem to matter how many pelters people throw at her. She just kind of shrugs them off and gets on with it. She's pretty cool. She yeah. looks awesome too. Yeah. Um, okay, what spell would you like to be able to master? <gasps> I think Lingardium Leviosa, Leviosa would be a cool one. Where you can lift people L- up. Make th- lift things up. That would be pretty cool. Or Obliviate. That's a bit cruel, though, isn't it, Obliviate? I don't know. You could rob a bank and then make people forget. <laughs> in, my, in my invisibility cloak. <laughs> okay, uh, what is your what is your favourite moment, then, from the whole series? Are we talking books or movies? Or both? Let's talk books. Books. Um, I I just like the opening of Philosopher's Stone, where she draws you into the Dursleys and literally takes the mickey out of them. That draws you in. You know what you're dealing with then. This is going to be a this is a story that's fun. It's where the villains are going to have the Mickey taken out of them. And she builds up this wonderful picture of this dysfunctional family. So I, I, I like that. I always I always like see like the beginnings of books because they are so difficult to do. And I think she, she nails it with that. It's really good. Mr. and Mrs. Dudley of Number Four Pivot Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious. He was a big, beefy man with hardly any neck, although he did have a very large moustache. The Dursleys had everything they wanted, but they also had a secret. Their greatest fear was its... I bet you've got a fair amount of uh, merchandise, haven't you, Harry Potter? I have got a fair amount Is your home like a, a shrine? Not particularly, because I like so many movies, I just don't have the space. What's your favourite bit of Harry Potter merchandise? I know this is this is this is going to. I know again this is childish, but my wife bought me a Hufflepuff 
house dressing gown. Oh. That has the big floppy medieval sleeves and and the hood, the pointed hood. And that, in, if my house was on fire, that'd be one of the that'd be one of the things I'd be reaching for. Well, the wife first, obviously. No. Oh, I'm going to tell you, you said that. Yes, you can do. She knows. She knows. <laughs>